Hey, this is Mallory Johnson, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. Welcome to a Tobin Tonight, Mallory. How are things? How are you? I like that we're kind of both in a bedroom setting, although yours is way better, because if I move, I have Toronto. I love it. I actually lived in Toronto for a year, so I'm okay with having Toronto in the background. <laughs> First of all, thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited to be a part of this. I've been watching a few of them, so they, they seem super fun. And yeah, I'm doing good. I'm officially out of quarantine. I got out of quarantine a couple days ago from international travel, so I am ready to socialize. <laughs> See, if we if we had the money or the bank account of a John Oliver, we would have had this rigged where like balloons fall down and everything. Like, yeah. Yeah. How did you end up from going from Newfoundland to Nashville? Like, tell me that story, because we've interviewed plenty of acts that will tell you their story of, oh, I was really interested in country music. And of course, to be in country music, you got to go to Nashville. You got to yeah. go to these places. So I get it. But. I guess in a kind of a small town or a small province kind of aspect, I'm like, Newfoundland and Nashville, how? I will more than happily tell you that story. It's uh, it's a cool little story, I think. As a country artist and a songwriter, Nashville is, is always the end goal. You know, you just want to experience it, whether it's to be there full time or not, or just to visit. It's a beautiful place to go and be inspired and, and that kind of thing. That was always a dream of mine. I was in Toronto for a year, as I said before, but that was, I knew that was a stepping stone to, to Nashville. However, my kind of door, I guess, uh, that was opened to go there was, gosh, 2014, I think, 2014 or 2015. I did a contest in St. John's. Actually, it was a provincial, it was province-wide, this contest. And it was Big Jib Productions' Next Country Star, Newfoundland's Next Country Star. So it was like a talent. Okay. <laughs> open mic kind of contest and yeah i was like scrolling through facebook and saw this ad pop up that, that the local pub was um on torbay road was one of the venues that was hosting this contest and it was like looking for the next country star and i was like well it's an open mic like what's the worst that could happen like i sing a few songs that i suck or you know they don't like what i sing or whatever what's the worst they can say no like whatever so I went down to the local pub and and sang like two originals and and a cover, made it through the semifinals and then made it through the semifinals to the finals, which was held that fall. And it was a party. I mean, Carolina East was there. So she she was there along with a lot of other local friends at this event. And it was just a party. We're all singing songs. The place was packed with like friends and family. And anyway, so luckily I... That night, I was the one chosen to to be the winner, and one of the judges of the contest, he had a connection with this country legend, Sammy Kershaw. And he had this connection with Sammy because this particular judge was a part of a promotions company that brought in big acts to mile one, and Sammy Kershaw was one of the acts that they had brought in in the past. And so they became Facebook buddies, and, and anyway, while this contest was happening, uh, he was in conversation with Sammy being like, you know, we have this contest and there's, 
interest, you know, lots of country artists in the province. And and then when I had won, they, they told Sammy about me and Sammy was like, well, let me check out some of her YouTube videos. They wanted some advice from him or like direction, or maybe he'd be interested in producing a song or something like that. Anyway, so he watched some of my videos and he set up a conference call, him and his management team, the Holland Group, based in Nashville, and then myself and some of the people involved in this contest. And Sammy was like, me and my team, we want to manage her and let's bring her to Nashville and do a whole record. Oh, wow. So that was like, oh my gosh, pinch me moment. Like this is Sammy Kershaw. I grew up listening to him, like Yard Sales, like this huge song, you know, Queen of My Double Wide Trailer is another huge one. So it was just, it was crazy. And that was kind of like, I guess a Cinderella moment. You're singing at this small local pub, downtown St. John's. And then all of a sudden you get this, this superstar is like, hey, like, come to Nashville. I want to do an album with you. I want to produce a record. So that's what I did myself. And, and my mom came down with me and we got into the studio. We did some of the band tracks in Nashville. And then we went to Muscle Shoals and did my vocals. And it was just, it was amazing. Got to visit the Opry while I was there and did all wow. the tourist stuff. So yeah, that's kind of how I ended up there. Now, when you were doing this contest, how old were you at the time? So, oh gosh, I just like, turned 31, like so the math. <laughs> <laughs> if that was 2015 or 20. 2021, I suck at mental math. No, no, no. Viewers <laughs> figured that out. It was, yeah, 2014, 2015, and I'm 31 now. <laughs> okay. So 20, yeah, like I, I know. So if you're 31 now, I know I'm turning 30 in October. So I would have been probably at this point 23 or 24. So you're yeah, probably like 25 ish. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it, I was going to say, like, when you were mentioning earlier about, like, what do I got to lose? I was like, man, I was like, luckily she's not in, you know, high school because that would just be dreadful. I'm just imagining going into high school. Like, of course, yes, it's always the silver lining of if you do well, like, what's, you know, people yeah. eat their words. But if you don't do well, it's almost like, it's like, I guess the live version of a social media where social media, when you don't do it, like when you're shit, they're like coming at you at all, all angles. Yeah. When you do something yeah. well, it's like crickets. But in high school, it's almost like, all right, open wound. Let's yeah. Do it. yeah. High school is an adventure. Let's just yeah. keep it that way. <laughs> yeah. So luckily you were out, outside that stage. Cause I know when we were in high school and I feel bad because you always look back at things and you're like, all right, we grow. So it's not the worst thing in the world, but we yeah. used to have, Canadian Idol. And I remember when they used to have auditions down here and I knew no one that was involved in Canadian Idol. Like I'm sure there were people that I probably know in passing. They just didn't tell a, you. I had a terrible experience with yeah. Canadian Idol. Let me tell you. But yeah, I, I wouldn't explain it, but it's just they're like we had a guy in our class and he would audition to us. I'm like, this is like finals. You're in like grade 12, grade yeah. 11. You're just, and then he's like, uh, you guys want to hear my audition for Canadian Idol? And we're like, sure. Like, we're kind of trying to do finals, but okay. So we get up and then he would do like a Luke Bryan song. And like right. a part of me was like, all right, I'm kind of mad that he has the balls to get up and do this um, because it's like somewhat jealousy. But at the same time, it's like other people are making fun of him because he's not that great. But I'm like, at least he's trying. At least he's getting yeah. up there and trying. So Putting himself out there. I mean, unapologetically, I think that's, you know, standing on a stage, you know, I'm sure, you know, with comedy and stuff too, standing on a stage and just being vulnerable, like that's, that's so brave and it's so yeah. scary. And, you know, you're just basically, you're putting yourself out there to be judged. That's yeah. what it's you are doing. Exactly what it is. <laughs> and like, I feel like 
comedy, especially stand-up comedy, I feel like that is the most terrifying job in the entertainment industry, you know? Because I feel like, yeah, I just, I can't, I can't imagine. I mean, I'm a huge comedy fan. I think my perfect night out is like dinner and a comedy show, but I can't imagine being the position of a stand-up comedian and just like, just the fear if nobody laughs, like, oh, I have anxiety just thinking about it. It's one of those things that I, I think I've only done it maybe twice because I kind of look at myself more as like around your buddies, you'll make jokes or be sarcastic. Yeah. Now it's always, they'll tell you like, Oh, are you a comedian? You should do stand up." I'm like, fair enough. But they think that that's great for their audience or their humor. But I remember going into like a pancake house, which is the worst place. Cause that's people just want to eat pancakes. Yeah. And I didn't know the setup. People were name dropping things of like, this guy is Bill Gates' son. And I was like, is that me? Is that like supposed to be my intro? Like what's going on here? And then, I don't know. Yeah. And then when you yeah. get up and do your act, uh, there's a few laughs, but of course they're not there for that. Like they're there to eat pancakes. And this is a sideshow where if you go, like you said, if you're already in the mindset of a dinner and a movie, you're going to a yuck yucks. You're going to like an absolute comedy where it's like, I'm here to laugh. So laugh, mm -hmm. like, Make me laugh. Where sure the pancakes is not. It's like I'm here for pancakes and you're kind of helping, but you're kind of a sidetrack and you're distracting me from eating my pancakes. Yeah. I don't want to choke. Don't make me laugh too hard though. Yeah, yeah exactly. They're almost, like, like, they're almost like I came to get pancakes and yeah, I didn't know there was a comedy night here, but great. Where yeah. other times you're like, cause I've done it. I've gone to bars with friends and you're like, Oh, it's a Saturday night. Like we're going to enjoy your conversation. And then there's karaoke that night and you didn't know. So then the karaoke becomes like, Oh man, someone else is coming up to sing. It's like, I didn't expect this. It's like, we all have... for the fifth time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But if yeah. you knew that going in, like you knew like yeah. Saturday night's karaoke, you're, you're anticipating it. So exactly. Um, tell me a little bit more about your Canadian Idol story. Cause I think that's interesting when you said like a not great experience. I'm probably going to dig myself a hole. That was an interesting experience. So I actually think it was the same year that Justin Fancy auditioned and got like really far in the competition. Like he did really, really well. Yeah, so I showed up to my audition and I sang a Rascal Flat song. I think it was God Bless the Broken Road. Love that song. Beautiful song, love that song. So the first couple rounds, you sing it acapella, right? Okay. So I show up to the first audition, sang acapella, they pushed me on to the next round. Then I went to the next round, I sang it again. And he pushed me on to the celebrity round. So it was, I think it was at the Sheridan Hotel, I think is where they held it in the big convention room. And it's already nerve wracking because when you go there, it's like, it's not like what you see on TV. Like it's not yeah. just this little room with like one camera guy and the judges. It's like, you're in the convention ballroom and there's, it's black everywhere and you have to follow little arrows to get to the, the set. And then there's the judges and like a hundred camera crew, like around you, like you're essentially singing for a full room of people and it's just terrifying. And I, I decided to learn the piano to the song the night before my audition, okay. which was my first mistake. <laughs> so I was like, I could do this because you're allowed to bring instruments and they always have a piano on set during the celebrity round. So you're allowed to play an instrument for your audition. So I decided to learn the piano and I walk in super intimidated and start my song on the keyboard mess it up of course i mess it up like <laughs> nerves are gonna get to me and then so they're like okay like i could start again so i did i don't have a super like belty voice like yeah. i'm a little more timid i'm a little more like i need a microphone to project um yeah. it's not, not like, like a, it's not a dan and shay or a, a, a or like a whitney yeah. houston or a carrie underwood you yeah. know so yeah. 
I don't have this crazy big pop belty voice. So yeah, one of the judges was actually like yelling at me while I was singing, like sing louder, sing louder. And I was just like shaking at this point. Like this is going so terribly. And then when I finished my audition, um, Sass Jordan was very lovely. Actually, she was like, you know, clearly you can sing. It's just like this year, like this, not what we're looking for kind of thing. And I was like, okay, like I'm fine with that. <laughs> and then one of the other, one of the other guys was like, you look like you're going to a funeral rather than singing a love song. <laughs> and I was like, cause I obviously have very dark hair. I yeah. was, I was wearing all dark clothes. I was like in class, like black pants, shiny black pants, like a glittery black like top. So yeah. I was wearing all dark clothes, but still like, I'm like a 15 year old kid and you're like, you look like you're going to a funeral instead of singing a love song on like national TV. I, and obviously they're trying to get a reaction out of you for the show. So I bit my tongue and um, holding back some tears. I was just like, thank you for your time. Knew the audition was bad, left, went out the doors. And of course the camera's in your face. And I remember crying and I just remember looking at the camera guys and being like, just please don't show my audition on TV. Please don't show it on TV. And they didn't. Thank goodness. But that moment uh, actually made me nervous to do any auditions moving forward. I kind of had anxiety walking into any room for musical theater auditions, any kind of thing where you'd be judged in, in that way. But at the same time, it really motivated me to kind of prove them wrong and and better myself. And just, yeah, so it was like, I think there was more pros than cons to the experience. Yeah. Well, so- I, I don't look at it as uh, like... In, in fairness, it's it's not like anyone's going to come after you at, at like Canadian Idol or anything at this point and be like, yeah, how yeah. dare you tell that story? Like, that's horrible. Oh, press press. Like, I've told that story a lot. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's, it's just any experience, I feel like. And it's not to diminish what you went through. It's like, you know, with I feel like anyone can relate to that in terms of, you know, maybe they're on like a sports field, like a soccer pitch. And it's like, hey, you you're... 10 for 10 on penalty kicks. And then the very time that's like, you know what? I'm going to try a new penalty kick today. It's yeah. like, really? This is the time you're going to try your new penalty kick? It's like, I've been practicing for about a day. <laughs> it's yeah. like, let's, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. I feel like it's relatable. But yeah, it's it's interesting that you said it's kind of frightened you away from auditions and stuff. Like, I, I get that it can play with your nerves. But yeah. What kind of got you out of that in a, in a sense? Like what just made you wake up one day and was like not in Groundhog Day anymore? You're like, hey, let's do something. Yeah, I just think, I don't know, it's all those cliche phrases where it's like you grow outside your comfort zone and the whole like the best revenge is success. So I just had kind of this fire like in me then to be like, no, like I know I can sing. I had a bad day. Yeah. I had a bad audition. There's no person on this planet. You could be Beyonce. She doesn't nail every, every performance. I mean, I no. don't care who you are. You're not on a hundred percent of the time. And oh, yeah, I totally am. I'm on all the time. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I just, it was a, it was a, it was a lesson that I'm happy that I learned that day. And I'm happy that I learned it young. It just really wanted me. I really wanted to prove those people wrong. And yeah, yeah. It scared me away from a few auditions, but I still auditioned for things anyway. Yeah. I, I think more than anything, I just really wanted to be like, you're wrong. Yeah. I, I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this since I was a kid, like yeah. since I was like, you know, 10, like, I, you know, I, like I knew I could sing, but yeah, yeah it was just a bad day. 
And I think it's I think it's fair because what I was actually going to mention when you mentioned bad day, it's like that's when you um, if they had to use your footage and when you were telling them don't use my footage and like you know how they piece everything together because of course they're yeah. masterminds. It's like it's like don't use my footage and they freeze frame it. And it's like so you had a bad day. <laughs> yeah, they would have done. Like, you'd be like, oh, thanks a lot. Now I'm going to be like a meme whenever that comes trendy. <laughs> I mean, if it helps me go viral, it yeah, gets yeah. Well, I mean, there's good viral and there's bad. Well, I mean, in some people's aspects, they're like viral is viral, but it's it's okay, I guess, if you don't know the name. Like, I feel like a lot of people now, like the younger generation, and I feel like I'm going to be like Grandpa Simpson here yelling at a cloud, but when they go on TikTok, when they go on Instagram or YouTube, and they see like the influencers and how many followers they have. I'm like, that's great. I'm like, for the like day that that's trendy, and then it comes trendy again in another month. I'm like, I can't tell you a TikToker's name. Someone could tell me a name and I'd be like, never heard of them. Oh, I've seen like five videos. I'm like, oh, that's who that is? Doesn't matter to me. But it's kind of funny because when things start trending, like you can go back now on on YouTube and be like, uh, worst American Idol auditions. And the one that always comes to mind, don't know her name. Not going to research it because I'm just not. But it's like the one where she tells Simon, I'm going to make it big one day. She like walks out, throws everything. She's like, you don't know me. But like she sang horribly. Yeah. She's just so mad at Simon. And I'm like, a part of me wonders where she's to, and there's a part of me that's like, but do I really want to know? <laughs> do I right. really care enough to know? So even if they had to put it on TV of a bad audition, it's like every once in a while, maybe NTV or something loops it. Like, remember, this is where she started. And it's like, oh, some people are like, ouch. It's like, this is where she's to now. It's like, well, damn. It's like, yeah. I, I, I would change my life if I didn't do well at Canadian Isle, and now I'm down in Nashville producing like records and stuff. I'd be like, okay, cool. But for you to say, I bit my tongue when someone said, you looks like you're going to a funeral. That wouldn't be me. I'd just be like, like, what are you talking about? I'm 15. I'm allowed to dress in black. Because it's kind of hypocritical when you look at some acts that will do live shows and the upbeat songs and they're all dressed in black. It's like, is that same guy going to be like, yeah, song was poppy, but it looks like you're going to a funeral. It's like, I know. Well, okay. would you say that to Johnny Cash? He Ex- wore exactly. a lot on stage, so. Yeah. I, I feel like he'd be the same person that would say like John Mayer. It's like, love your song, but you're boring. I'd be like, okay, but you loved his song. What what difference does it make if you think he's boring? Like, mm-hmm. you know. It's all yeah. opinions. And actually a friend of mine, she gave this piece of advice. She has this piece of advice that I heard her say, and she was, just, her Tineal Arts is her name. And she's just killing it right now in the country music industry. And she has this advice that um, art, it's just opinions about art. If you love what you're doing and you have people who believe in you, if you believe in yourself, then like, don't stop doing it because you're not going to, not everyone's going to like it, but there will be people who like it. And if you love it, then keep doing it. You know, it's just, it's art. Like, I'm not going to go look at it. Like you look at a painting in a gallery. It's like, oh my gosh, I might love that. That like would look so good in my living room or you you really appreciate like the artist maybe, or, you know, there's so many reasons why you could like a painting, but then you could get somebody else who walks in and be like, I don't get it. To me being, I guess, a Newfoundlander, as you can relate to, it's like, we don't really have, I'm not going to put it meanly like etiquette because we have etiquette, but it's almost like, have you ever gone to places like, of course you said Toronto and Nashville, but you pick up on like Newfoundland tendencies that you didn't know until you went to these places. Like for me, I didn't know it was not really normal to not just like knock on someone's door and walk in. Like there would be people like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, did I invite you in? I'm like, Oh, right. I'm not in Newfoundland. I, I just can't walk into your house and be like, Hey Dave. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yes, yeah, sir. I got a saw. Hold on. Like, <laughs> you go up into Ontario and it's like, did you, did you invite him in? No, I didn't invite him in. That's weird. And I'm like, Sorry. Hold on. I'll step out. And, uh. 
It's mainly for me, it's it's my accent and my vocabulary. Even because I like a lot of Canadian friends in Nashville, too. So they they recognize the accents like certain words give me away, like the way I say car or bar yeah. Yeah. Um, or tour, like things like that. But and like, especially when I'm home for a while, like my accent becomes really thick again. So when I go back to Nashville, they're like, oh, well, yeah, slow things down. <laughs> and I'll, like things like simple phrases like that's best kind or that's deadly. Uh, you know, things like that, that I, I say in conversation with my friends down there and they're like, what? I don't get it. What are you saying? What does that mean? <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, wait, sorry. Sorry. This is what it means. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's mainly and like even in songwriting, too. I had a writing session with a couple Americans and we had to rhyme with the word story. OK. And yeah. I was like, I got this story rhymes yeah. with story and they looked at me like i had 10 heads and they're like that doesn't rhyme i'm like what are you talking about the word story rhymes with story they're like it's pronounced sorry oh yeah sorry. they say sorry instead of sorry and yeah. i was like they're like you just sound too canadian you can't say that in this country song and i was like oh gosh okay okay so yeah so things like that it's, that are just like the um what it comes to mind when you said that because we have like again, other acts have mentioned similar similarities to that when they're, but yeah. Anytime someone mentions it, I I automatically think of like every "How I Met Your Mother" joke referencing Canada, where it was like a, the "Let's go to the mall." And it's like I'm gonna rock your body like Canada Day, and it's the way she says it. I'm just still like, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. that's that's Canadian, all right. <laughs> it's like Robin Sparkles on the spot, but yeah, it's funny when you mentioned that because. I, I've never really thought of it that way. Like, I, I feel like as maybe when you're listening to say Keith Urban, who's an Australian, you don't notice the accent as much until like maybe there's a certain word or a certain time in a song that you're like, that's not how I would say it, but yeah. okay, totally get it. But it just kind of just, you don't even think about it, but yeah, I, I can imagine a writing session. It's like, all right, story, sorry. It's like, actually it's sorry. It's like, no, no, no. Sorry. You're wrong. Yeah. It, I know. It made perfect sense to me. I was like, this is a brilliant line. I nailed it. And they both looked at me and just laughed. They're like, yeah. that's, that's when that's, I don't know if this is pre or post, but that's when, if it was like, say post Justin Bieber, you'd be like, Hey, Justin Bieber has a song out there called sorry. You don't see anyone call it. And you don't see people complain about that. I know. <laughs> you don't see Americans being like, actually, Justin, it's sorry. It's like, doesn't flow well with the song. He says, sorry. He doesn't go, it's, is it too late now to say sorry? <laughs> That's true. That's true. But he was also the artist who was recording that song. I guess it de- depends on what the song is for, whether you're pitching it to somebody else. Yeah, true, true. If he was pitching it, he might have to only be able to pitch it to another Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> I, can ima- I can imagine, though, like, just say in different markets, of course, it'd be funny to go in, like, say, an Australian or, like, a J- Japanese market and see how songs get, like, rearranged, where it's like, um, it's like, that's Justin Bieber's story. It's like, actually... Over here, it's called sorry. I'd be like, yeah. "What's wrong with you guys?" It's like nothing. We—that's how we say it. I'd be like, "You made Justin Bieber change his whole song." It's like, "No, no, no, we didn't. We just auto tuned the sorry." And I'm like, "That's even worse." Yeah, <laughs> um, auto tune is a beautiful thing, though. Let me tell you, it saves on time. It saves yeah, yeah. the track yeah. a million times. Yeah, yeah. It can make careers and break careers. It's funny because I think that the whole thing that. A mind-blowing moment I remember when I was younger, and it's actually come up recently too, but it's like T-Pain. I always, I listened to T-Pain when I was younger, and I was like, man, that's such auto-tune. But when you actually see a performance that he doesn't have auto-tune, I'm like, all right, but he has pipes. Why are you auto-tuning? He's like, I just liked it, man. I just liked how it sounded. I'm like, okay, but you know you've been ridiculed for years about auto-tune. He's like, all right, 
how much money do they have? I'm like, exactly. I'm like, fair exactly. enough. Fair enough. It's true. It's true. And like, I think like auto tune is a, is a wonderful tool. It's a wonderful technology, but you gotta have the chops. You gotta be able to perform live. And although unfortunately these days you can have auto tune and live performance as well, but it's funny. Like I remember watching some award shows, not remember like award shows in general all the time where you get like some of the legends, for example, I was watching, a country music award show, whether it was the CMAs or the ACMs, I don't know which one it was. Yeah, yeah. But Reba came out and did and performed a song, and it was flawless. And you know, it's because Reba is the kind of artist who was in the studio before autotune was a thing. Yeah. He had to do takes until it was perfect, right? Yeah. And so she had the vocal ability to do that. And so, of course, when she's live, she's going to sound great. And then there was like some other artists, these fresh artists who very much relied on autotune that came out and did a song and it was like night and day yeah. vocal ability. And yeah, it's just autotune is great when you don't use it as a crutch. It has a tool that just helps elevate. When it comes to country music, I don't like now it could be like old country music compared to new one. But I find like there's not a lot of like if, if you had to say a family feud question of which genres use like the less auto tune or whatever way you want to word it. I'd be like country music has to be up there or number one because it's like I look at Garth Brooks, Tim McGraw, Reba, Brooks and Dunn, like well before auto tune. It's almost like you got to know the chops. Country music has its own distinct sound. But now where it's kind of the new country wave where no offense to them because they're still great acts. Like mm -hmm. your Thomas Rhett's, your Florida Georgia line. It's like, yeah, you can still sing and I'm sure they have great chops, but the auto-tuned aspect is almost like, okay, how can we make this pop country? Like, right. I feel like you would, you would never go into a Rascal Flat studio and be like, okay, you three love the, love the song, but we're going to auto-tune it. They'd look at you and be like, why, why touch it? Like our vocals mm -hmm. are fine. It's like, yeah. you're right. You're right. You're like, shame on me for even suggesting. <laughs> How do you find that? Like, because again, where you're in the actual field, do you find with people you meet that they use auto tune a lot, or is it just more or less like, all right, we didn't get the right sound here? I know you can hit this note in a live concert, but just for this track, we're going to use it a little bit to fix it up a little bit here. I feel like I feel like I could confidently say that everybody uses auto tune, whether that's you know. I mean, depending on the vibe you're going for, I know that some of like Miranda Lambert's latest records, you could tell not all of it is perfectly pitched, which I love. Yeah. I'm always a fan of emotion first, pitch second. Cause I think okay. if you sing a song too many times or sing a phrase too many times, you lose the magic, you lose the emotion. It just becomes too repetitive. Yeah. And sometimes when you do that, just to get the pitch perfect, you have to do it a bunch of times. So I think that's where auto-tune is really helpful because you can tweak the one note here or the one yeah. note here that was slightly just out, but the rest of the phrasing and the line itself was magic. I think I could confidently say that most, unless you're recording live off the floor, but even then it's still a possibility depending on the setup. But yeah. I think most, if not all, use auto-tune on like a commercial record that, especially if it's like going to radio, just yeah. because it is, it's going to be compared to what else is there. So when you hear so many songs in a row that have been auto-tuned, if you hear one that's not, even though it sounds really good and on pitch, the average ear might not hear it, but you could tell there's a difference. Yeah, the majority of what's out right now, there's some kind of tuning fixes. And that's not to say it's all pitched perfectly. No, no, like that. That's fair. Because again, I'm not coming from it from the music side. Because yeah. I look at in some of our relation to a podcast where you're saying like a 
just say someone who's not into it wouldn't pick up on it right away, but someone who is. And mm-hmm. I, I love your example there of like four or five songs in a row could be auto-tuned, one's not, but to an average ear, you don't hear it. Like, yeah, I listen to some of these interviews once they're done. I don't, I don't like listening to my own voice, but it's like when I listen to it, when I listen to it after, I'm like, someone like, Brian, why are you so picky about ums and ahs and editing and like all that? I'm like, because I want to make it sound great. But then yeah. someone's like, I like the interview with ums and ahs. It makes it more realistic. I'm like, that's fine. But to me, it's, I pick up on it coming from a whole background of listening to interviews in school where it was like, uh, yeah. uh, and I'm just like, I hate it. I, I, I got out of the habit though, to be fair, when I used to do interviews, I used to have like either a pop here, like a, a pineapple crush, which Newfoundland knows what pineapple crush is. Love it. Or like you'd have salt vinegar chips. And of course they're like Mrs. Vicky's, but you'd eat, like you'd eat it before the interview. And then like your mouth would be so dry or like, and then you'd be like, and then people would be like, is he chewing? And I'm like, I hate the noise. I hate it. So I got out of the habit of it, but I, I people would be like, who cares? Whatever. Like it's a lazy, it's a lazy laid back interview. I'm like, well, to me, to me, it's bother. It's bothersome. And um, at the end of the day, it's your pa- podcast. So yeah. it needs to be what you want it to be and something you're proud of. So yeah. like I said, it goes back to the opinions about art. Everyone's going to have a different opinion about what you do. So you just need to, you do you. And uh, if you're proud of it, I mean, I promise other people are going to be proud of it. Too. <laughs> yeah. The, there will be some people that are like, I'm a little bit annoyed. I'm like, that's fair. Like it, it's some stuff in fairness that if it's things that you don't, or like that you like and they don't like, it's like, okay, I'm not changing that just yeah. because once I change it, then there's going to be other people. So you're always constantly changing. Yeah. But if there are people out there, like, I wish you just wouldn't need a bag of chips or a pineapple <laughs> crush before an interview. I'd be like, Hey, I can do that. Like, that's not a big deal. Like if you, I would, I would love to eat a bag of salt and vinegar chips every time before I sing. It's a great (laughs) lubricant for the vocal cords that like sour candy are like the things you can have before you sing. Have you, have you ever had, so I know I'm probably going to date this, but I remember back at Pomeroy's here in the ghouls, they had sour keys, but used to get the big sour keys and small little ones. And Every sour key is kind of different depending on where you get it. Like there's the ones that are like not really sour keys. It's like a dollar store brand. And I'm like, you're not sour keys, man. Don't, don't convince me you are. But when we were younger, used to get all blue sour keys. It was like all blue, all red. And I was like, that's dope. I want more of those. But now they have, I think they're hard candy and they're just like sour keys, but they're, um, you can get them on Amazon, but they taste like sour keys, but they're not sour keys. So Mm -hmm. I think they're really cool, but yeah, sour, sour stuff to me is awesome. But I, I, as I get older, I'm kind of like, oh man, I I wish I was younger when you could tolerate it. Like Wardheads to me, I think it's like Wardheads. And I remember a kid having five of them in his mouth and I was in like grade five and this kid was in grade like eight and he, and he, and he gave me, he gave me the advice, which I think is funny because you always remember like weird advice when you're you're younger. And I was like, looking at him like, oh man, he looks like he's choking. He was like, don't eat. 10 wardheads at once and like you're like you're 10 you're like why would you bother and someone was like well someone dared me to him like and you're stupid for doing it and i'm like oh no i said that out loud now he's gonna chase me but wait <laughs> he has 10 wardheads in his mouth i'm okay because he's not able to breathe right now but as i get older when i have them i'm like how did i tolerate you I especially like the purple ones i'm like the purple or the black package yeah those are really bad yeah yeah, but I loved them when I was younger. Like I would, I would. It's almost like one of those things where your friends would be like, "Do you? How tough are you?" I'm like, "How tough am I?" I'm gonna take this purple warhead and put it in my mouth, and they're like, 
it's almost like in a movie where they have the western and the the soundtrack and it's like he's staring you down and you don't blink your eyes don't water he's like oh my god i'm not messing with tobin so you believe he just put a purple word in his mouth nothing happened and now it's like if someone gave you like lemon or like green it's almost like like, they're like what happened to you big sook i'm like don't judge me. <laughs> the upgrade is now like tequila shots. How brave are you? Take a shot of tequila. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have guessed you for like a sour key person or a sour candy person, but, and I wouldn't have guessed that people would like sour stuff before singing. <laughs> yeah, no, sour cherry blasters are my favorites. I used to go to the corner store down the road and get like one, the one cent ones. I get like oh a little God. brown paper bag with like 60 one cent oh, sour yeah. cherry blasters. A sour uh, blow pop, like the lollipops, that had the gum in the middle. Once you got, I have, I have a bunch of those in the back here. <laughs> Amazing! Yeah. And then I'd like rent my go-to movies that I'd rent with it was like the Labyrinth and oh, what was the other one I used to always get? Like maybe the Last Unicorn. Okay. The Labyrinth or something like that. The Labyrinth was always like the go-to. To each yeah. their own. The other thing I want to really get into you a little bit about too. Tell me how you got into music because i know you mentioned of course the canadian isle experience going to nashville but like what really started off like everyone has i guess something that kind of goes a light bulb in their moment of like hey maybe i can do this yeah for sure well like a lot of newfoundlanders i grew up in a kitchen party my family is very very musical especially on my mom's side most of my aunts and uncles and my grandparents even played accordions, bagpipes, guitars, mandolins, sang, danced. So I was I was definitely surrounded by music. And my mom is actually a country artist as well. So she recorded in Nashville. She toured across the country. She recorded many albums. And so I grew up listening to her sing country music. Gosh, I was probably three or four when I would just listen to her sing Coat of Many Colors and Coal Miner's Daughter and you know, all these Patsy Cline, Dolly Parton, Loretta Lynn. And my dad's a big country music fan. So he loves uh, Waylon Jennings and Merle Haggard and Willie Nelson. So I grew up around that kind of music. And of course, with Newfoundland, you grew up around the Irish Celtic traditional yeah. music. So I kind of was getting it from all sides. And I just could never imagine doing anything else besides music. That's always what I've done. When I was 11, uh, myself and my mom and my uncle and my cousin, we had a family band called the Cormiers. And so we toured and performed and recorded Celtic traditional music. So that was, gosh, that was the first time a song that I took part in writing. Um, I was 11 in the recording studio, recording a song I wrote. So that I think was the moment I knew I wanted to write music as well. So music has kind of always been my thing. I don't remember a time when it wasn't. If you're not surrounded by music or somehow entrenched in it, it's almost like you live under a rock. It's like, you might live on the rock, but you're living under a rock. <laughs> That's um, good. That's yeah. a good phrase. <laughs> yeah. But tell me, like, who are some people that you kind of idolized or looked up to? Because, you know, of course, growing up around music, I know you said the musical influence, your mom was playing music as well, but... There has to be people, I guess, on the radio that you were like, oh, like, I really like how she sounds or she is. I wish I could do what they were doing. Like, tell me a little bit more about that. Gosh, so many. (laughs) I mean, Dolly Parton is always a big one, even though it wasn't really radio. It was just hearing my mom sing Dolly's songs and growing up around around that. So a lot of the legends of country music. But I mean, Shania Twain was a big one for me. The Dixie Chicks were big for me. 
Actually, Kim Stockwood and Davenant Doyle locally, I uh, Kim Stockwood was my very first time buying a CD. I think I was in grade five when I bought it with my own money. I got Britney Spears, Baby One More Time, and I got Kim Stockwood's. Uh, I can't remember the name of the record. I'm sure I'm sure that's like a big, you know, what do you call it? Like a big uh, feather in her hat or something. It's like, hey, it's like you're comparing me with Britney Spears. These are your first CDs that you ever bought. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Those are the two. And I loved pop music, too. When I was a kid, I was like, I loved Christina Aguilera. I loved the Backstreet Boys. Loved, like all that stuff. I, I totally loved so many genres of music. I loved Eminem. My older sister was a big fan of like rock and rap. And she had much music playing all the time. So I grew up around a lot of different influences. So, yeah, it's it's hard to kind of pinpoint one. I was actually going to bring this up to you when you mentioned all this, but like, much music that's where you see a lot of acts and you don't even know if they're canadian like avril lavigne to me could have been from like switzerland and yeah. backstreet boys could have been like three door three doors down the street that's and i'm true. like and like the big shiny tunes yeah my sister had all those cds so i was listening to them all the time and then burning off my own cds like <laughs> downloading lime like stream people know if you say burning off your own cds or limewire they're like what is that is that some kind of app for like dating it's like yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like I was gonna mention because when you see these acts, you don't you, you don't care where they're from. You don't care like I'm almost ripping out Backstreet Boys where it's like you don't care where they're from. But I remember watching CMT and right. you would see like the Chevy Top Twenty, and it was just mind blowing to me on like a Saturday night that you'd see like the Ennis Sisters. Um, it's not about you. There you go, and that mm -hmm. was on a, a Chevy Top Twenty, and I was like, holy shit an act from Newfoundland is in between Garth Brooks and Shania Twain at number eight. And you're telling me that they can rise to like number two or number one across like all of Canada. That's crazy. We don't really have that as much anymore where you can turn on a TV channel and see the countdowns, but we're Newfoundlanders and we're actually on CMT. So have you ever had like any of those moments? Like, of course you said buying the CD. And I guess when you were younger, you're like, I like both music, but when you get older, did you ever look and be like, oh my God, that person's a Newfoundlander and they're actually charting? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of a lot of local artists. I think we have the most ridiculous talent from this province. I still fangirl over a lot of them, even though I've played music with a lot of them, <laughs> and I've hung out with a lot of them. Like Alan Doyle is one. Like I, there's been times like Alan has like texted me and I just like, I'm like, okay, Mallory, keep her cool. Yeah, yeah. Text him back. And, but he's just, he's the best person. Uh, I just adore Alan. He is such a, he's such a supporter of, of emerging artists. And I remember like, I didn't even like know him. And I sent him an email one time. I got his email off a friend of mine, just asking for his advice for like a yeah. new artist in the industry. Like what, what should I do to get myself out there? And he sent me back an email that was like, so oh, yeah. And it was the sweet, like right away too. He was so sweet. Like he didn't have to do that. Like he's a busy guy. And ever since then, I've just been, I will gush and gush about how amazing he is. He's so great. And yeah, so Alan is one of them. I mentioned Carolina East. Love her. She's super talented. Uh, Fairgale. I mean, come on. How are they not getting number one songs on national scales right now? <laughs> like they're just absolutely ridiculously talented. Nick Earl. 
Rachel Cousins. Like I'm just, I'm a huge fan of my friends here and it's one of the reasons I love coming home. So I just love to go out and see them play. I love to collaborate. Yeah. Those are kind of moments where like, like you said, I'm just constantly amazed and inspired by the people here in this province. And yeah, I'll be their number one fan forever. It's great. <laughs> well, it's funny. Cause you, you said that. And, uh, Cause we had Damien followed on when we were first starting this podcast mm-hmm. and I grew up and I, I felt like kind of bad at the point. Cause I was like, geez, like, uh, I remember Damien when I was younger watching NTV and right before yeah. just say when NTV would plug like six o'clock in the morning, be like Celtic connection. And I, and you'd see music videos on there. And I'm like, all right, you're a music video. Like just turn back on Sharon Lowe's and Brian, please. Or like, can yeah. you just turn on inspector gadget? I don't want to watch this. But the one that stuck in my mind was Damien followed. It's like no second chances. Yeah. And I was like, when I sent him the info, I was like, he's not going to come on and talk about a song that's like 20 years old. And he was like, sure, I'd love to. I was like, okay. He's like, a great and it's weird because in my mind as Newfoundlanders, because we've talked about this with Tom Power as well, it's like we have this kind of energy where it's like we just treat you like a normal person. We don't care if you're Britney Spears or the guy selling like groceries down the street. It's like you're a person. You're, you're successful. Okay. But – I think that was the moment where I was like, oh my God, I've got Damien followed on. And like, I, I haven't kept up with him to be fair, but it's almost like I have a guy that I was watching on TV do a music video and he's going to be on my podcast. Okay, cool. And when I talked to him, that was like one of the very things he mentioned. He's like, if we had the resources of a Nashville, of yes. like a Toronto or a Vancouver, he's like, you would not see our Newfoundland talent go place, like go to Nashville to get known. They People would come here and be like, we're setting up shop here. We're going to put a record company here because look at all the talent that's surrounded here. And I'm like, yeah. that's fair. Like there is a lot of talent out there that even in the last year that I've come across, I'm like, okay. There's fair. something so satisfying. I find when you stumble across an artist or a band or a song that is just absolutely amazing. Yeah. And like none of your friend groups know who they are. So you get to like introduce the music to these people and just be like, Oh my gosh, I need to check this out. They're so cool. I just find that so satisfying. Like I remember when uh, Chris Stapleton kind of, he dropped like his first album or his first song and he was, the buzz was happening in Nashville. I think before it was the buzz was happening in Newfoundland. And I remember uh, coming home and being like to my brother, Cecil, I was like, Cecil, you need to check out Chris Stapleton. And he was like, okay, Cool. And then he like got onto Chris Stapleton and like loved it. And I was like so excited that I introduced my brother to this artist that he didn't know before and loved it. And same thing with, uh, with Dawes. I'm a really big fan of Dawes. And my, when I was living in Toronto, Dawes was doing a concert. My brother and, and my sister-in-law were coming up to visit. And I was like, okay, you're coming up while this concert's happening. I'm getting you tickets. You need to go listen to all their albums before you come. And so they did. They were obsessed with Dawes. They knew more songs than I did by the time they showed up and knew like every word to every song. And it was just such a special experience to share with them. And yeah, I just, oh, I'm such a fan of music. I guess like to kind of clue up the interview, because I, mm-hmm. I, I like women all over the place. I hope you enjoyed it too. I loved it. But, it's been super fun. Um, let's talk a little bit about, because I feel like it'd be so dismissive if we don't, but the East Coast Music Awards. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about, because of course we've had all the other acts on that were like in Rising Star category or doing mm-hmm. their own show, but with COVID, it's always been a mess and we're not blaming anyone for that. I've always said that to everyone. I'm, just, I'm like, yeah. listen, we're not playing Music Newfoundland. We're not going after ECMAs, but 
tell me a little bit about like how it all essentially came together for you. Like when did it decide to tell you you're doing it virtually and like, what were your, I guess, plans and was this your first time going or supposed to be going to an ECMAs? So I've, gosh, I've been going to the ECMAs for years. I, first time I went to the ECMAs, I was nominated with my family bands in the, uh, I think the Celtic category. Celtic folk. Celtic folk. Uh, yeah. And we were up against the Rankin family. So we obviously oh weren't going to win that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I've been going to the ECMAs for years and gosh, I was so excited. I was nominated in 2019 for the country recording of the year. And I took it home, which was, I think probably one of my biggest accomplishments to date was getting that award. And so I've done the showcases and stuff too. And it's always one of my favorite events of the year. You get to see all your friends, you get to party, have kitchen parties with musicians from all over the East Coast. And your mornings, your nights kind of run into your mornings very easily. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's always a really wonderful, wonderful time. And this year, uh, sadly, I mean, I know everyone was really excited to potentially do it in person. Yeah, I'm really impressed with the ECMAs being able to switch gears so quickly and still have this go ahead. But this year, when I was when I was told I was getting offered a showcase, they asked if I was able to go in person. And at the time, I didn't think I was going to be able to. I was either still going to be in Nashville or I was going to be en route to Newfoundland. But my quarantine would have would have conflicted with the dates yeah. anyway. So I said, oh my gosh, like obviously I would love to do this showcase. And I was like, well, I'm not going to be there. Is there any virtual option? Like if there is a virtual option, let me let me know. If not, thank you so much. I can't wait to see you guys next year kind of thing. And they got back to me and said, no, like we are going to offer a virtual option for the artists who aren't comfortable yeah. yet to be there in person or who can't make it, which was amazing of them to be able to do that. And so the whole time I knew mine was going to be virtual, it just came down to it that everybody has ended up having to yeah. be virtual. I kind of look at it from the standpoint of there's a double-edged sword and I, I everyone has, it's kind of when you get older and you try to look at things from both perspectives, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, the ECMAs are trying to put on the best performance or the best show they can. Yeah. There's obviously going to be like certain accident, like, hey, you're not there yet, but you know, we're still going to welcome you back. But it's just like this year, if, if we did it live, sure, you'd have a spot. But this year, we're not doing it live. It's kind of hard. Like I looked at some of the people that were nominated for certain awards, like your neon dreams, your classified. And like, I was kind of surprised in a way where I'm like neon dreams is from Nova Scotia, but yet now they're over in like, I think South America at, when we're recording this anyway. And mm -hmm. like they're doing their first tour over there during certain dates. I'm like, okay, so how would they be able to be at the ECMAs? They would have to do it virtually. Yeah. And Maybe classified. It's like, listen, with everything on the go with COVID, I don't want anywhere to touch it. Can we do that virtually? And I'm like, so how are you going to let the bigger acts be virtual, but then tell the smaller acts, no, you have to come. So I'm like, you got to make it kind of even. But in their defense, they'll probably be like, hey, these people are made. Mm -hmm. You're going to watch them if they're here or not. These ones that are rising stars, we kind of want them here so that people can come see them. And it's like, Fair enough, but yeah. I do like how they gave everyone that opportunity afterwards of like, hey, like do it from the comfort of your own home. If that works for you, I'd be like, yeah, that does work for me. Exactly, and I'm sure that if anyone questioned the same way I did, like it was just me asking them, like I know this is an in-person oh, yeah. offer, but like 
is there anything we can do to make this virtually? I mean, I'm sure if any act had had asked that same question, they would have been given the same option. So it's really wonderful to see them still be able to adapt so quickly and still want to be able to celebrate the East Coast music because it's such a special time of the year. And to think of like, like some friends of mine from here too, like their first nominations or their first time getting a showcase, like it's really heartbreaking that they won't get to have that experience in person. But at the same time, it's it's really awesome that ECMA is still pulling everybody together and still being able to somehow celebrate in some way, shape or form. The last thing I want to talk about before we wrap it up, yeah. uh, Mallory, is uh, what have you been doing, I guess, to keep yourself busy during COVID? It's funny because when people come on and then they'll tell me what they've done during COVID, I'm like, okay, I feel like I've done nothing because people are like, oh, well, I learned how to produce an album. It's like, I actually wrote more songs and now I'm actually producing my first album. And it's like, well, I learned how to edit. I'm like, I just kept my podcast going. And at the beginning, I didn't think I was going to keep it going. So I guess that's an accomplishment. That is, but- that's a huge <laughs> accomplishment. I mean, having a podcast in general is tough. I mean, yeah. like, the fact that you're you're coming on and having these conversations with people all the time, like that's that's huge. I think it's something to be celebrated. But yeah, no, I um I recorded an album. That's there you go. See, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there should be a chalkboard behind me where it's like, Dwayne, put another one on the chalkboard. <laughs> yeah. Keep that tally. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I uh I recorded a record. I'm just waiting for my mixes now. We're doing the overdubbing and stuff. So I'm a producer. I'm so excited to hear the mixes. So Hopefully that'll be out in the fall. That's my plan, the fall coming. So, but timelines change all the time as we know with COVID. What kind of things have you been doing? Of course, obviously the musical side, mm-hmm. great. That's an accomplishment in itself. <laughs> but what, what other things have you been doing, I guess, kind of in an interesting aspect, not that that wasn't, but mm-hmm. you know, to keep you busy in COVID, like have you been watching certain things on Netflix? Have you been going back and like digging up old episodes of things? Cause to me, I've never had the time, even though I'm one of those kids that, I haven't, I'm not a big movie goer and mm-hmm. I felt like during COVID when I really got into deep, I'm like, man, I'm going to go back and watch all these different movies that like people would reference. And I had no clue. I say that still haven't, but I did catch up on yeah. say by the bell college years. And I feel like that's a little bit of an accomplishment in itself to be like, Hey, I cut up on old TV shows that I used to watch that I forgot kind of existed until now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what did I not watch? <laughs> question that's probably a smaller list yeah i definitely did a lot of netflix a lot of hulu a lot of disney plus i ended up watching all of like the marvel and the dc oh really like in chronological order i think i messed up the order of a couple of them because all of a sudden one character was dead and then they were alive (laughs) it was was really (laughs) yeah it was hard going from like okay here's like yeah and then the dc like watching all the superman batman and then you go like yeah it was just all over the place all over the place but fun i love those those uh movies i did a lot of puzzles okay. i did a lot of i hiked a lot last summer when i was here i did a lot of like exploring newfoundland that i wouldn't have time to otherwise when i was here so spent a lot of time with family those were definitely the good things i think that came out of it i got a lot of quality time with my family that i wouldn't have normally i spent a lot more time in newfoundland than i was supposed to originally so really thankful for that that that's fair i mean when you i guess to kind of clue it up here in a, in the whole aspect of it cuz i came actually from ottawa to newfoundland when covid happened and a lot of my friends that were in ottawa went back to their hometowns and i was like oh it's like it almost feels like it's a ghost town where it's like i don't know i guess it could be just me that feels this way but it's almost like when i went from university 
And when you graduate university, like you, I don't think it really entrenches in your mind. Cause if you come, if you go to Mon or, Co- or Kona down here, it's like, Oh yeah, I've seen you in high school. I get to see you again at Mon. It's like, or big great. It's just, a, it's just a bigger high. Yeah, exactly. We're up away. It doesn't really entrench in your mind. Now, of course it does to them, but to me, it's like, you went from BC to Ottawa. Oh, now school's over. Okay, so you're going back to BC, but it doesn't really sink in. And I'm like, oh my God, like I'm not going to see you for a while, if ever. So when this COVID happened, I'm like, wow, I wonder how many friendships and stuff just got like not destroyed, but more or less a little bit like, I guess kind of torn, but not whole the torn because it's like, yeah. like you don't like that's because some people like myself take these kind of signs from the universe of like, okay, it's time to move out of this place. Like mm-hmm. for me, I could have stayed in Ottawa when COVID happened and I'd be like, okay, like I'm fine here. So I got my buddies, but like sometimes it takes things to happen in the universe. Like now I'm in Newfoundland. I'm like, okay, cool. But then you've got friends up away that moved back home. I'm like, okay, this is really the test now of friendship of like yeah. how close were we? But like, have you had that moment when you went from, I guess, Nashville to Newfoundland where it's like you kind of reconnected with some people, but at the same point you're like, Oh my God, like I haven't talked to this person in a while. Like, can we still reconnect? Like, is there like a window of like, Hey, you didn't contact me in like three years. Like it's almost like when someone borrows something for you and if they don't give it back within a year, it's technically yours. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I mean, I kind of split my time between Nashville and Newfoundland anyway. Like usually when I'm in Newfoundland, I know the date I'm going back to Nashville and vice versa. So I don't get to really miss people too much because I know it's not going to be that long when I see them next. But I definitely, when COVID happened, I was only supposed to be in Newfoundland from like, well, only a couple weeks in March because I was supposed to tour. I was supposed to tour the arts and culture centers and then I was supposed to do a cross country tour. I was supposed to go to BC and back on a radio tour. Of course, as soon as I landed, everything got canned. And uh, Newfoundland was doing a lot better than the States was with COVID cases. So I was like, well, I'm just going to stay here um, and ride this thing out as long as possible. So I ended up being in Newfoundland from March to the beginning of November. Okay. And so... I was able to like, just, well, I spent, obviously spent a lot more time with friends and I got to collaborate a lot more with a lot of local musicians and local artists. And yeah, it was just really fun. I, I just grew closer to a lot of my friends here that I normally wouldn't have seen otherwise, because every time I come home, it's like, no, I have to spend time with my family. I have to spend yeah. time with my goddaughter. I have to see, you know, my best friend. So it's like, you come home to relax, but you don't relax because almost every hour of every day is designated, you know, you don't get the chance to just be like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to pop yeah. in George street and go see so-and-so, you know? So it was really nice to, to kind of strengthen some of those, those friendships that um, yeah. I don't think I would have had a chance to. Must, must be super nice to have friends. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin tonight. Our thanks to Mallory Johnson for coming on to the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob Sang. Thank you for listening, and good night. to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional 
Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.